Well, good morning. As I say so often during this season of life, you are loved genuinely, authentically um, by us, by here, by here, the people at Calvary and by our Father in heaven. There's just no greater gift. Remember that that's one of the big steps for you to overcome any season of life is to know that you genuinely and authentically are loved. And, and that helps you. We talked about that last week. Uh, what a great expression of that, right? Um, moms, dads, grandparents, if I could encourage you um, today, both those of you in the room and those of you online, one of the most loving things that you can do is secure the faith of your child in Jesus Christ and be with them and watch them be baptized. Yeah. Because that's one of the most important things that matters. If you're on the fence with that, today this message is going to challenge you. If you're on the fence with um, securing a step of faith for your household or for your life, then, then today um, we're going to talk about the fourth principle that I've written um, that helps you overcome. And, and this one is going to challenge you because this is what we do when we don't want to move forward with what God has laid before us. We're going to practice what I'm going to talk about today, and it's a hindrance. It keeps you from being who God wants you to be. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3. So take your Bibles, go back to Genesis with me today, Genesis chapter 3. Um, we're going to look at a principle today of overcoming. And, and as we go there, let me remind you of some of the things that we have talked about. We've talked about um, the reality that life is a gift. If you want to overcome uh, whatever it is that comes your way, you begin by embracing the reality that life is a gift. What God has given you, the very breath that you breathe, that is a gift from God. And when you slow down and you breathe, you can embrace what God is going to do, whether you feel like it or not. It is a step toward overcoming. We, we've talked about not only that life is a gift, but we've also talked about our humanity, that it's okay to be human, and it is in the totalness of our fallen humanity that we can embrace the perfection of his redemption in our brokenness. And that is how we overcome. That's another step in moving forward. Of course, we talked about love. Um, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, love conquers all. Love conquers all. And so to embrace love, to give and to receive love is that step in overcoming. And today in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to go back to a funny part of the story. Um, if there could be a funny part uh, of the fall, this is it. And, and, and you kind of laughed at it a few weeks ago. But I want to highlight today from the funny part of the fall of Genesis chapter 3, I want to highlight what we do as people and therefore what it does um, to keep us from overcoming when we face challenge or difficulty or life choices. And, and so we're going to read two passages today, Genesis chapter 3, um, and then we're going to jump to the New Testament quickly because Jesus actually references this. He actually talks about this principle as well. Luke chapter 9. So take your Bibles and you'll, you'll kind of put one marker in Genesis 3 and the other marker in Luke chapter 9. And I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version today. And uh, we're going to look at this principle of overcoming today. So stand with me, if you will, in, in honor of God's Word. And Genesis chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 8. So again, uh, the context is um, Adam and Eve, we've talked about them several times through this uh, series, and Adam and Eve, they mess up. They have, they have this moment where they struggle, right? And, and then this is how they respond to it. 
So when difficulty comes your way, um, this is how they respond. I want you to pay attention because maybe this is how we respond too. And we've got to learn not to do this. The Bible says this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees in the garden. And the Lord called to the man and he said to him, where are you? And he said, Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, the Lord said to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman. The woman did it. It's her fault. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, the devil, he made me do it. The serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, Luke chapter 9. Jesus uh, is talking to some people about following him. And, and he's talking to them about what it takes to follow him. And so Luke chapter 9, we'll, we'll read in verse 57, just a few verses through verse 62. The Bible says this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, they said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes. And the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another one, follow me. But that person, that individual, they said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, Jesus. I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his, her hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, here's what I've discovered in the last seven, eight months of life along with you. Um, there are all kinds of challenges that have come our way. Uh, some of them are physiological. Some of them uh, are mental. Some of them are practical. Some of them are cultural. You've seen them. You've faced them. You've heard them. But if you want to overcome whatever those things are, you can either respond like what we've just read with any number of excuse or you can eliminate the excuses in your life and you can move forward I want to talk to you today about eliminating excuses because one of the realities of overcoming in life is not just identifying which excuse you would use to stay still to hide to be silent but what you would do to overcome that so that you can move forward by faith. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you um, for really genuinely what we have walked through as people of faith. 
For everything that you allow gives us the opportunity to strengthen our trust in you and move ahead. So I pray today that for all of us, both in our family present and in our family present online, that you would help us to eliminate excuses that we would use to keep from moving forward by faith in what we know to be true in our heart. And I pray these things today for all of us in the name of our gracious Savior, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Excuses, right? Nobody likes to talk about excuses. Nobody really wants to be told, well, that is an excuse. Nobody. I don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. But yet, one of the most natural things that we do when life throws a curveball or when we face a challenge, we come up with a reason for not doing what we know in our hearts is the right thing to do. For not being faithful to what God has asked us to do or to become. We find a reason. And what this season of months has taught us is there are so many reasons. So many reasons to be challenged. It can be mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Um, it could be spiritually. Um, it could be culturally. There are so many challenges that come at you as a person, as a child of God, as someone created in the image of God. And therefore, when these things come at you, and they come at me in different forms, they come at you in different forms, and when they come at you, we have a choice as people whether or not we are going to face them to figure them out, those challenges and those problems, and overcome them. Or we're going to create excuses to not deal, to not face, to not accept, to not overcome. And what you see in Scripture today, as we go back to the beginning, these first few passages in Genesis are powerful because you see Adam and Eve had to overcome <laughs> They faced a great moment, the first moment of fall. And the totalness of the fall affects everyone. It affects all of us. Do you realize that every problem, everything you've faced, everything you've heard in the last six, seven, eight, nine months, do you realize all of that is because of what you read in Genesis? The total fallenness of our world and us as humanity attracts back to them. And yet, in the totalness of their depravity, in the totalness of their fallen state, God was merciful. God was gracious enough to give them the strength to overcome. And to overcome even the excuses that would come their way that they would even offer up to God. So excuses... How do we learn to eliminate excuses? Well, overcoming requires this. I want you to write this down. Today's life lesson, as I give it to you, I hope that you'll take it to heart and use it in your life. I hope that it will strengthen you as an individual to be an overcomer in all things. Overcoming. It requires us to identify the excuses that hold us back. And they hold us back and they keep us from moving beyond in faith. So what we need to do is we need to learn to identify the excuses that hold us back and we need to move beyond them in faith. 
That's what we need to learn to do. And Adam and Eve give us a clue, and then Jesus hammers it home on how we can do that. So let's talk about some excuses today. I mean, you've heard the saying, it's, it's sort of crude, right? I get it, but excuses are kind of like rear ends, right? Everybody's got one and they stink, right? It's this reality that excuses, we offer them up, but they just don't work. They don't bring peace in relationship. They don't bring peace to the soul. They don't bring fortitude to overcome challenges in life. They really, truly, genuinely, when you have an excuse, and that excuse is going to look very multifaceted. We're going to talk about seven today, seven deadly excuses, not seven deadly sins, but seven deadly excuses today. And what's the alternative to those? How do you overcome those? And I think this will help you because the reality is excuses, they keep us from becoming who we are intended and called to be. They keep us from moving forward in our best relationships and in our best life because we'll hide behind things and we'll let things keep us from moving forward by faith. So excuse number one. Perhaps you've heard of this one. I put it as number one because this is the greatest one that is used so often and addressed so much in Scripture. Excuse number one is fear. Fear. This whole scenario that we read about today, you have the Lord God walking in the garden. And the Lord God calls out to the man and to the woman. The Lord God, he says to them, where are you? Where are you? Where are you in life? Where are you in your mind? Where are you in your circumstances? Where are you? Who are you? What is it that you're going through that is so difficult? Because the Lord God is present. Do you see that? Like, he's God. He knows the failure. He knows the flaw. He knows the humanity. And he's still present. It's not like the Lord God took a vacation and left from this scenario. It's not like God was like, whoa, this is too heavy for me. I'm out. Check out. I'm not dealing with this. I'm shutting down. God didn't do that. He's present. He asked him this question, where are you? And the response is, God, we hid because we were afraid. You see that? And therefore, in our lives, so many times, what keeps us from moving ahead and overcoming the challenges that we are going to face. And listen, those challenges are multifaceted. Um, those challenges, as we talk about it, they are real. They are real to you. They are real to me. They are real to all people. And, and your challenge is not someone else's challenge. Your difficulty is not someone else's difficulty, maybe in your immediate vicinity. But we all have something. And in that moment, the greatest hindrance to overcoming whatever that difficulty and challenge may be is your fear. What are you afraid of? And that's literally what God reveals first and foremost as Adam and Eve offer up an excuse. Their first excuse is fear. So in your life, when you think about it, where does fear come from? Well, what has created fear in your life? Is it, is it fear of failure? Um, well, welcome to the real world. <laughs> 
The greatest teacher in the world is failure, by the way. Um, the greatest challenge that you overcome is the, is the very thing that's going to make you the most successful you. It is. And fear of failure is one of those things that may keep you at bay. Maybe it's fear of something um, in your past, perhaps. Um, fear of your past. Um, maybe it's fear that you might actually succeed. <laughs> fear. Uh, it comes in all types of, of fashions. Um, one of the things that was a, a fun little moment for me during this whole shutdown situation that we've all walked through is that um, during the late spring, early summer and stuff, um, where we live, uh, the snakes decided to come out. And for some reason, they were all attracted to our yard. Um, and, and so I, I kind of had this process with my kids where if they found or saw a snake, are you ready for this? I, I know what you would do because this is what my father would say. Um, any good snake is a what? Is a dead snake, right? That's what my dad would say. And yet I would send him a picture of every one of them that I would catch and hold and let my children pet. Yeah, I'm crazy. I get it. Why? Because in the midst of a shutdown, in the midst of a world gone mad, in the midst of craziness of, of, of people and circumstance and situation, I would not teach my children to fear. I don't care what it is. Now I get it. Some people, I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this. Right. And, and what's the fear in your life that keeps you back from being the best you? What is it? What is the thing that you would say, um, I'm hiding my best me. And I'm hiding my best me not only from people, but I'm hiding my best me from God. Because fear is one of those things that we as people, when we don't overcome what, whatever it is and wherever it comes from, and it's deep-rooted for a lot of people. Matter of fact, sometimes people don't even know why they are so anxious and fearful. They can't even identify where it comes from, but yet it's there. Okay, it's there, and you may not know why, and, and it may be hard to acknowledge it, but fear is what keeps you from overcoming. And so what's the antithesis of fear? The antithesis of fear is trust. Fear or trust? How do you overcome fear? Trust. You have to trust that God has the best in mind for you. You have to trust that there are other people as well who have the best in mind for you. Trust. It's fear or it's trust. And if you want to overcome fear, you then have to trust. Adam and Eve, in this circumstance, they are afraid. And, and listen, what's the issue? Um, the issue is um, we're afraid because we're naked, we're exposed, we're uncovered, right? But what, what did God do? God was not only present because they could trust in God even in the midst of fear and challenge. What did God do? God covered their shame. God covered their exposure. God covered their nakedness. That's who God is. And for you and I to overcome fear in our life, it requires an absolute trust in God and what he can do with what is, right? Fear 
excuse number one. Excuse number two, when you think about this one, um, this is exactly what we do when we think uh, of, of, you know, what kind of excuse, what kind of circumstance when it doesn't go our way. Are you ready for this one? Um, the next excuse that's listed in Scripture is blame. Blame. So it, it begins with fear and then it moves to blame. Uh, you start blaming people. You start blaming others. Uh, maybe, maybe you blame God, right? I mean, because we all walk through moments like that. And these are real moments. These are parts of our humanity that we have to overcome if we want to move forward and become the best version of you that you can become. Um, we have to deal with blame. Um, Adam says, the woman did it. <laughs> Eve says, the serpent did it. You know, and, and God tracks all that down. He, he gets right to the source, right, ultimately. But yet it's a very clear revelation of what we do. We play the blame game. That's what we do. We play the blame game. And, and so therefore we blame someone in our past. And I'm not saying that's not real. It is real. It's real to you. It's real for what you have walked through. It's a real experience. But then to place that blame on other people who stand beside you, who support you, who encourage you, who love you, who bring the best of you out, and yet to be paralyzed by something or some event or someone that you would continue to look back on and to point the finger at, that, that's going to keep you from overcoming. Blame will keep you from overcoming. And here's the opposite or the antithesis to blame. Truth. Truth. At the end of the day, you and I all have to stand in the mirror and look at ourselves and acknowledge the truth. We do. The truth about where we come from, the truth about how we feel, the truth about who we are, the truth about the things that we sense about our lives. And if you want to be set free from the blame game, you embrace truth. And the truth of this moment is God walks into the garden with Adam and Eve and he says, where are you? What have you done? And in the midst of that moment, they're going, we're hiding. We're not dealing with it. We're not going to face it. And yet there's something about the truth of God that even in the midst of what they were going through, what you're going through, the truth of God will penetrate in such a way, are you ready for this? That it will bring healing to whatever it is that you're playing the blame game with. Only the truth of God can set you free from the blame game. You can blame someone else. You can blame your past. You can blame all types of circumstances. But the truth of God will cover and set you free. And that's what he does in this moment when he walks in to the life of Adam and Eve. Truth. Truth will set you free from blame. Here's another one, a third excuse that is so often used in our lives. Um, and you'll see this very present and very real in this story. And perhaps for you, at some point or another, this is how you felt. The third thing, the third deadly excuse is guilt. Guilt. Guilt will cripple and paralyze you. Guilt from something that you've experienced that maybe you had nothing to do with. It wasn't your fault. Or maybe it was, 
Maybe it was something very intentionally and deliberately that you did. And that guilt eats away at your soul. And it's something that will grab you and hold on to you. And if you don't deal with guilt the right way, you cannot overcome other things that will give you moments to be set free and move forward. And so guilt is this chain that will anchor you in life and keep you from moving ahead to being the real, the best, the true you that God's created you to be. And do you think that Adam and Eve felt guilt? Absolutely. I mean, there's this reality that they've let God down. They've let the garden down. They've let one another down. They've let down the world. <laughs> and yet, in the midst of guilt, if you want to overcome guilt, the excuse of guilt, I can't because of what I've been through. I can't because of what I feel. I can't because of what I've done. I can't. If you go through that, instead of embracing guilt, I want to encourage you to embrace grace. You can either live in guilt or you can live in grace. And the most gracious moment of the garden is a reflection of something that is still true for me for you, for us today, the most gracious reflection of the garden is that God would make a sacrifice of an innocent being to cover Adam and Eve and their guilt. And that is a perfect picture of what Jesus would do in the New Testament, not just for a moment in a garden, but for all of humanity, for all of time. He would become a sacrifice so that he could be a covering over our guilt, the guilt of our sin, the shame of your past, the deals that you have to work through personally, emotionally, deeply, culturally, individually, or corporately, all of those things, you can either throw up the excuse of guilt. And that could be your own guilt, or it could be your attempt to make someone else feel guilty. Guilty for something they didn't do. Guilty for something they had nothing to do with. Or it could be someone who directly affected you and you just continue to pour the guilt onto them. Guilt will get you nowhere in life, but grace will move you forward. Grace will undo that excuse of guilt that paralyzes you and cripples you. And I'm going to be honest. We all need grace. We all need the grace of God we all need the grace and the presence of the covering of the sacrifice that only God could do to remove and eliminate our guilt. Can I tell you who uses guilt? The serpent. The devil. The enemy. That is who the father of lies is in your life. He is the one who uses your guilt against you to keep you from embracing God's grace. But when you embrace the grace of God, you can then deal and overcome with the excuse of guilt. And you can move forward in freedom, the freedom of God's grace, to embrace what you know to be true. And what you feel in your heart that God has given to you and called you to be. So you overcome guilt by embracing grace. You with me so far? We got seven, so we're on number four. When I look further in this passage, then I, I jump forward. Because I see Adam and Eve use excuses. But then Jesus dealt with excuses all the time. 
It's not just an Old Testament thing. Jesus dealt with this all the time. Why is it that in the Bible, Jesus so many times had to tell people, and God had to tell us so many times in the Bible, do not fear, because we fear, right? We, we lack faith in trusting him. Um, we see so many times about blame and guilt, but this is one that Jesus addresses when he's going along the road and, and someone says to him, Jesus, man, I am with you. I got it all together. I got it all figured out. I, I will follow you anywhere. He said, great, man, I don't have, I don't have a home. I don't have a bed. Um, it's not going to look like what you think. We're not going to be in a palace here. Uh, we're not even going to be in the Motel 6. They're not even going to leave the light on for me, okay? So uh, you really want to follow me? Um, foxes have holes, right? I mean, people have places to live. But what I do, if you really want to be a part of this, um, maybe to make yourself look good or maybe to prove you're so righteous, great, follow me, but you won't have a place to stay. And what does that emphasize for us in our faith? Comfort is usually an excuse that we use to keep us from moving forward by faith. Comfort. Being comfortable. Comfortable with perhaps your status quo. And, and, and your status quo, by the way, um, may be how much you have, or it may be how little you have. Isn't that interesting? That we all as people can be comfortable with who we are, where we are, and therefore stay in that state of life and not move forward because we're comfortable with what is. We're comfortable with our excuses. We're comfortable with our fear. We're comfortable with our guilt. We're comfortable with our blame. And if there's one thing that I've seen throughout this season of life that I think we all, as a family of faith, would do well to pay attention to, the world is not a comfortable place. I mean, your comfort has been disrupted the last eight plus months. It has been. And if you are wise... As a follower of Jesus, as someone who genuinely wants to experience God's blessing and his best upon your life and your relationships, um, you would do, do well to recognize that comfort is not an excuse to be used to keep you from moving forward toward what is better. And sometimes what is better is less. For those of you who have a lot, Sometimes you may not realize that your a lot kept you from trusting God, but you remove a lot and then you have to trust. Or sometimes your little is not best. Your little and go, well, um, God will just provide. Yes, God will just provide. But it doesn't mean that you should not seize opportunities that God gives you to do better and take those on and be able to say, you know what? I am not comfortable with being less than. Living with less than. Giving these people that I love less than. Comfort will paralyze you. And Jesus identifies this with this individual. Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Okay, are you comfortable? Sounds like you're comfortable. You'll follow me anywhere, but you're really comfortable. You're not willing to stretch the boundary to go with me where I will take you. And so comfort is an interesting one. Um, 
How do you, how do you overcome comfort, the excuse of comfort? The opposite of comfort is sacrifice. And Jesus shows us all about that. The opposite of comfort is sacrifice. Anything great that you desire in life, it requires sacrifice. And most things that we do have in our life, we have them because someone else sacrificed for us. Everything in life that you want to achieve and overcome and become, it requires sacrifice. And sacrifice is the opposite of comfort. How do you think you received the salvation and the grace of God? How did you receive it? By sacrifice. It begins with Adam and Eve. An animal had to be sacrificed to cover the failures of humanity. And it goes all the way through Jesus, the grace and the covering and the mercy of God to give you the best that he possibly can. It required a sacrifice. And if it's not beyond God to sacrifice, to give you something better than what you had, then it's not beyond you to sacrifice and move beyond what is comfortable to become the better you that God has created you to be. And the excuse of comfort will keep us from experiencing the power of overcoming and having something better every single time. And if we don't want to experience that, guess what we'll do? We'll blame somebody. I'll blame them. They did this to me. They held me back. That person, that man, that woman, that experience, that event. Listen, don't get comfortable there either. Sacrifice that on the altar of God and move forward beyond that. Number five, excuse number five that we will use and ultimately hinder us from overcoming is other people. <laughs> other people. We will allow other people to dictate our lives. Tell me you haven't seen this. Tell me you haven't experienced this. And we see this even in the life of Jesus. Is that this person comes up to Jesus twice. Two different scenarios. And they say to Jesus, hey Jesus, I'll follow you. Um, but first let me go deal with this person. Who the first one that person's dead. Uh, the next one, let me go deal with this person in this situation. And, and Jesus identifies that in our lives, there is this reality that sometimes we will allow other people to be our excuse from not moving forward. Other people. We'll place the blame, the guilt, the shame on someone else instead of saying, you know what? It's not about them. It's about me. It's about what God has given to me. It's about what God has placed within me. It's about what I know that God has said to be true. And therefore, I'm not going to let other people hold me back. In this passage, it's interesting because the first one, Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But, and it's, these two sound really harsh, so let me explain them for just a moment. Uh, let the dead bury their own dead. Uh, what Jesus is talking about in this passage is uh, let those who are dead spiritually stay dead spiritually, but don't let it keep you from living spiritually because you have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of God. 
You have the opportunity to proclaim the good news of God. You have received it. So don't let those who are dead to God keep you back. Don't let those who are not living in the spirit keep your spirit in chains. Move beyond that. It's very clear. But what a great lesson because how many times do we let other people put our soul and our spirit in chains and keep us back from living the way that Jesus would desire us to live? He identifies that. The next one is very real. This is very, very real. Jesus identifies. Are you ready for this one? Family. Family. Woo! Now, don't go messing there, preacher, right? Don't be talking about mama and, and family and them, right? Okay, I won't, but you will. You will. Because we all know that somewhere in the family tree, you shake that tree hard enough, and there's some dysfunction all up in that tree somewhere, right? Just shake it hard enough. You're going to find it. It's going to fall out. Somewhere in the family, there is something to keep you back. And if you're not careful, you will use that as an excuse for not moving forward in faith. And Jesus very clearly says, because this person says, I need to go and I need to take care of my family. And Jesus identifies, yeah, you'll never get there because you're letting those people hold you back from being who you said you want to be. You're letting, you're using people as an excuse to hold you back from being who you said you wanted to be and who God called you to be. And we all will do that. So be very, very careful of that. Now, do not take the preacher's words today and go home and look at those people around the table and say, you're holding me back, right? Don't do that, especially those of you at home right now. You're listening, and, and I realize you're already having this conversation because you're not surrounded by a bunch of people right now. That's not what I'm telling you to do, but I am saying this. If you have people in your life that are holding you back from being who God has called you to be, then do not let them be your excuse. Do not let them. Don't blame them. Don't fault them. Don't get lost in them, but do not let them be the excuse. And how do you do that? You turn your attention to God. Jesus very clearly in this, in both scenarios, says, follow me. Both scenarios, follow me. They're like, Jesus, we want to follow you. Jesus, we want to do this. And he says, okay, well then don't put the blame on someone else. You follow me. So turn your attention from other people and turn your attention upwards to God, and you can overcome the excuse of putting that burden on other people. We're almost done. Number six. Number six, when I look at the sixth excuse that holds us back, are you ready for this one? This one is very real, and this one happens a lot, and this one is one that all of us have. Number six, the excuse that we will use to not move forward by faith is our big butts. Now, 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 some of you, I, I realize you've been in church a long time and um, you can't believe right now you're just hung on the fact that the preacher said you have a big butt. But we all do. We all do. And the sixth excuse 
deadly excuse that will hold you back from overcoming is your big butt. <laughs> but what? Well, God, I would, but this. God, I could, but this. Uh, I know that I should be, but I can't. I, I, I know that the preacher said I could, but I just don't feel like it. But I, I don't have enough money, but I don't have enough education, but I came from the right background, but my relationships are broken, but I have this problem, but I have this. You have a big butt, and until you deal with the excuse of your big butt, you can never overcome, right? Oh, and listen, yeah, it's easy for me to say you do. I do too. That is a part of humanity. It's a great thing to be human when you embrace the redemption of Jesus, because Jesus is someone who can turn our big butts into our big I cans. Philippians 4.13, I can. I can. I can. Say it together with me. I can. I can do all things. Through Christ, who gives me the strength, I can do all things. Through Christ, who gives me the strength, I can do all things. Through Christ, who gives me the strength. And so, if you want to overcome, you have to face that the first answer out of your mouth may be, but... But I encourage you to transition that to letting the first thing that comes out of your mouth be, I can do that. And I will do that. And I'll do that because of seven, number seven. What happens so many times, all of these excuses are fed ultimately by the lack of faith. Ultimately, every excuse is fed by the lack of faith. I fear because I have no faith. I blame because I have no faith. I feel guilt because I have no faith. I get comfortable because I have no faith. I blame other people and I put it on them because I have no faith. I say but a lot because I have no faith. And it is the lack of faith that feeds all of these. And so therefore, Jesus ultimately in dealing with these people that come to him and he says to them, hey, hey, listen. I know you have this. I know you went through this. I know you experienced this. I know these people are in your life. I understand all of that, but I want to give you two words that will change everything about your lack of faith. Follow me. Follow me. And the greatest way that you and I, that we overcome the challenges that are before us, that are in our lives of our own making, or perhaps even not, is to eliminate that excuse of the lack of faith and instead to move to a position where we say, okay, I will follow you. When we put ourselves into that position, it empowers us to experience the kind of miracles that only God can do with broken stories, miracles that God can do with our humanity to allow us to overcome and to move forward by faith into the greatest future that we could ever imagine or experience 
Why? Simply because we eliminate excuses and we trust Him and we follow Him. I want to take a moment right now. This is a holy moment. This is your moment. And I genuinely mean that right now for those of you in the room and for each and every one of you online. I want us to have a holy moment of prayer, but not just any prayer. I want you where you are right now. I want you to go ahead and and I want you to close your eyes. Do that for me, if you will, and and, and bow your spirit and, and bow your hearts right now. And I just want to give you just a few seconds to identify what excuse burdens you. What is the excuse that burdens you? And as you're searching your heart right now, I want you to very simply hold out your hands Open them up to God and give that to Him. Give that to Him right now. Father, I thank You for all of Your children, sons and daughters within the sound of my voice today. And I pray by great mercy and grace that through Your Holy Spirit right now, You are speaking to Your children. And that we together are eliminating excuses that hold us back as we hand them to you. Father, bring healing right now that only you can do. Bring help right now that only you can do. And use this moment, this great moment in your wonderful love to create overcomers in each of us in all seasons of life. Love you, and we thank you for your grace, which comes through Jesus in His name. Amen. It's good, isn't it? Seven excuses, seven alternatives. You take those, you apply those to your life, and you will begin to overcome those challenges in your life. See, 2020 is not all a bust. I mean, hey, I, I don't like it any more than you do. It's not all a bust. Because if we can learn to be overcomers, we come out on the other side of this stronger, better, more faithful. And we will see more blessings from God by learning to overcome. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for your faithfulness for those of you in this room in your attendance. It is really good to see you. As well as those of you online, thank you for really being diligent to tune in online and be a part of these moments. They are designed for you and, and you are loved deeply and genuinely grateful for you. There's a day coming when we want you back together in this room, but don't miss out on these moments to stay connected to this family of faith. Um, Continue to be faithful in your giving. Thank you for doing that. Uh, This church has been blessed throughout this season because people have felt the conviction of God to continue to be faithful when they had the means and the resources to be faithful with their tithes, their offerings, and their gifts. Thank you for doing that. And for those of you online, you have done a great job with that too. And thank you for doing that and continuing to do that. And you can see how to do that. Now, next week um, is the first Sunday of November. Can you realize, do you realize that we have almost moved through 2020? And and I actually am looking forward to Christmas 
The staff team and I are very excited about what we're going to talk about at Christmas. It's actually very simple. I'm looking forward to Christmas this year. Um, there are actually some good things to celebrate. We're going to do that. But we're in November. Next week is a gift to you as families and those of you at home. And you've said, hey, we'll be back when you start kids. Well, next week we start kids. Next week. And that's because we love you and we love your family. We love your children. So next week we start. And we're going to do it right. And we're going to do it well. And some of you have been ready to get back in and to show love by serving. And so um, thank you for that. And if you're still looking for that opportunity, see Pastor Stephen. Visit with Miss Audra in the back afterwards. And send us a note if you're looking forward to being here and you want to connect. We'll help you with that. But to help with that process, I want you to see a video real quickly. And then for those of you online, we're going to go immediately to jumpstart online. So for those of you in the room, you'll see this. You'll watch this, and then you guys will be dismissed. But it's going to tell you what to expect as we come back to next week. A little light way of finishing the day, but we're really grateful for you. And I'm just grateful to be a part of a family of faith that is full of people who overcome. God bless you all as you watch this video.